time to show the world that top is what I strive for. Greatness is a journey I'm willing to strive for. Consistency is key and I don't take no time off. Against the odds, I put it all on the line for. A lesson learned for every flaw I'm gonna make. Consequence I undertake. Putting all my trust and faith. Failure won't become my fate. Ten toes down, I never fall. Give it all to reach my goal. That's my name is Stone with my story told. Say I did it for the... Hey, we're in a series called Greater Reward, and we've been talking about uh, what we do when we decide to choose the reward that God has for us and, and, and lean into what He has versus maybe uh, what everybody else says that we could have here and now and some of the different things that are right in front of us. And I wrote down this question, have you ever wondered why you want to change, but you don't? Anybody? You want to change, but you don't. We started the year in a series uh, out of the book of Hey Guy, and uh, that's how we've been saying it around here. Hey Guy, uh, hey my guy, and uh, we've been talking about how Hey Guy, and then Jesus uh, points us to building God's kingdom. Hey Guy came on the scene and said, Hey, uh, you're building your house, you're building your kingdom, you're doing the things for you, but God says, my house is laying in ruins, and I'm calling you to build us. Jesus came on the scene and said, seek first the kingdom of God, and this was after he was like, hey, yeah, I know you're worried about where your clothes are going to come from, where your, where your food's going to come from, clean drinking water. I know you're worried about all of these things, the, the necessities of life, those bare necessities, right? Like, I know you're worried about those things, but I say seek my kingdom first. And all these things will be added. And so we've been talking about that. And uh, as I begin to read that story in Haggai and talk to you about it, we talked about how there's this ebb and flow of, of this passion that arises inside of us, this excitement inside of us. But then these seasons come where we drift and, and the passion wanes and, and begins to kind of uh, take a back seat to the things that become here and now, the voices that get the loud, right, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Like this is, we start to focus on whatever voice is the loudest, our attention goes to that. And I believe maybe that's part of the answer of why we want to change, but we just don't. And so today we're going to look at a powerful scripture that I believe has the ability to change our mindset. And if it can change our mindset, change the way we think, change the way we see the world, I believe it has the power to change your life. So you came to church on a great Sunday. You came to church on a day that's all about love. You came to church on a day that I came ready to preach. And so most people uh, know this, but in case you don't, we're Pentecostal. And, uh, and so I'm going to get a little bit fiery today. And y'all going to amen me like the old school, and we're going to have us a good time today. I heard... I heard this, uh, not statistic, but I heard this quote that says this, if you live long enough, you recognize that your New Year's resolutions ultimately start to become the same year after year. Like what you set as a New Year's resolution this year might have been the same New Year's resolution that you set in 2020. Or it might have been the New Year's resolution you set in 2019. And you may be still trying to check off a New Year's resolution from 1935. I don't know. That's, that's too far ago. Uh, from 1985, whenever it may be, you might still be doing that. And here's why. Because if you're still on track today. If you set a New Year's resolution, and see, I was going to preach this in January, but I decided to wait so I could encourage some people and then knock some people back on the train. If you're still on your New Year's resolution today, you're in the top 20% of people. You're the top 20% of most committed people because 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by today. Valentine's Day, the second week of February, is kind of that time where 80%... So if you started going to the gym in January, good news. This week, your parking space is going to be available again. You're going to get the park close to the door. Your favorite treadmill is going to be open. You ain't got to worry about it because those people are out and you're still there. Now, if you have failed, if you've drifted, if, if you're part of the 80%, I got good news for you today, all right? We, we are looking at this idea of choosing the greater reward and we want to change. 
come on, as, as, as good people, I believe if you're here today, if you're tuning in today, you're a good person, right? We're, we want to be good people. And when we discover that we're good people, we often realize that part of being a good person is we got to try really hard. And there's this issue with trying really hard, and we succeed for a while, but then ultimately we fall back into where we were. We, we, we get our mindset under control, and we're doing really good, and we're really focused, and then something sets us off, and our temper comes flaring back, and we're like, oh, I haven't said those things, or I haven't thought those things, or I haven't acted that way in quite a while, because we've fallen. Last week, we talked about the, this idea of trying, and how maybe it's not something that's missing, but it's someone, it's Jesus. And we stand on that, and we're going to build on top of that today. But we try hard, we succeed for a while, we fall back, right? There's this, this inside of us where we go, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop overeating. I'm going to stop eating too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop smoking. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm going to stop being angry, and we fall right back into it. Or we start a new year, or start a new season, or Monday. Come on, the infamous Monday. I'm going to start doing that on Monday, right? I just... Like, it's just, we just, we, we set that as the new goal. And so we say, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I know I should read my Bible. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I should read my Bible. But statistics say that most of us in this room or tuning in, most of us do not read our Bible every day. That's just in here. Forget everywhere else. Statistics say that we don't do that. All right, I'm going to start praying. I should talk to God. Right? Like, I know I should talk to God and not just like, God, please help my power come back on. Anybody? Yesterday was a long day. Luckily, we have a gas fireplace that doesn't go off, even though the power was off. So our house stayed at least moderately warm. Right? I should pray more. We, we go, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start doing this. And we fade from that. We say, I'm, I'm going to be better with my money. Come on. Okay, anybody, New Year's resolution. I'm going to be better with my money. And then 2020 hit. Come on, if you started 2020 with that, like I'm going to get out of debt in 2020. I'm going to be better with my money. And then 2020 hit. What did we all sit at home and do? Shop on Amazon. Like it was just like, it was like I, we had packages coming every day. I'm like, what did, we, what did we have this for? And it was like, I don't know. I just thought I needed it. It was, like, it was, it was there. And I, was, I was buying toilet paper because Amazon was like the only people who potentially had some. And uh, that was there too. So we got, right, this is, we begin to do this. We want it. We want to do what's right. We want to do what's good. But truthfully inside of us, there's what's called the sinful nature. And we also want to do what's wrong. And we want to do what's bad. It's incredible you don't have to teach kids this. Isn't it? Once they hit two, like, you know, I, we're not Catholic and we're not getting young priests and old priests and holy water and the power of Christ compels. But something at two years old, I feel like we just need to have an exorcism right at two and just be like, the power of Christ compels you. Come out. Spirit of no, I bind you in the name of Jesus. It, you didn't have to teach your kid no. Now, I have seen some parents do the little ha-ha fun game like mine. I'm like, that's going to bite you, buddy. You don't even know what you've started by going, oh, this is mine. Like, oh, yeah, you wait till they learn the word mine, and then you ain't going to say that no more. You don't have to teach us as people to want good but also want bad, evil, selfish desires. The me, the my, the mind, the no uh, this, is, this is all about me. And it leads me to today's message, which is this. Why can't I change? Why don't you just look at your neighbor and ask them. Just as, as serious as you can, just ask them, why can't I change? Come on, ask them, why can't I change? Well, today and through this series, this is what we're doing. We're believing this. With God's help, we're going to choose what we want most over what we want now. That's, that's that, that's that low, lowest shelf definition of discipline that we've given you in this series, coined by Pastor Craig Rochelle, and it's something that I've adopted in my life, right? Choosing what I want most over what I want now. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, we ask that today as we lean into your scripture, as we lean into your word, God, you would illuminate some things in our lives. You would reveal some stuff to us. That you would show us areas in our lives where we feel like maybe we can't change. There's no hope for us. There's no freedom from this issue, from this struggle, from this habit. 
God, from this mindset, but through you, God, all things are possible and we will choose the greater reward, which is building and seeking your kingdom, building us up in the most holy faith. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Hey, if you have your King's Church app or you can tune into the website, uh, you can follow along with the notes. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today. This is what it says. Paul's writing to the church in the town, the city of Corinth, and he says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Now, this was the case back in Paul's day. Uh, if you are a part of any kind of um, youth sports league now, you know that's not the case anymore. Everybody gets a prize now. Uh, every, everybody gets one. And uh, it's the worst thing that's ever happened uh, to, well, I don't want to say the worst. It's the second worst thing that's ever happened to this generation where it's like, you are, like, no, your team didn't score a goal the whole season. You don't get a trophy. Like, you stink, kid. Get better. Like, no. Like, we're just raising a bunch of kids who think they're champions. Like, we are the champions. It's like, you, like you didn't even have half the team on the field. That one kid was picking his nose in the corner. Like, no, this is horrible. I, I just barely made it into the cusp of the generation that if you didn't win, you didn't get a trophy, right? He says, all the runners, they run the race, but only one receives the prize. He says, so run that you may obtain it. What a concept, Paul. Like, what a concept. All the runners are going to run this race, but only one's going to win the prize. So run to win the race. Like, go after it. Every athlete, he says, exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. Literally, back then, the Olympic wreaths were the, the little leaves ones that we see in a lot of the, uh, you know, Greek um, art and stuff. A perishable wreath. He says, but we, us, our bodies, our souls, what we live for is imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. Do not box as one beating the air. One translation says shadow boxing, like just fighting a, a fake opponent, right? Like we all look good. We all look good doing this. Right? But Muhammad Ali said everybody's good until they get hit in the face. Don't just shadow box. Find something to go after. He says, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I love this. Paul is, is just so good with these early churches at speaking to the cultural references that they understand. It's why I make Fortnite jokes, because most of the people in the room get it, right? It's why I make the goat jokes. Everybody knows that Michael Jordan is the goat. And if you don't, you're culturally younger than 33 years old, and you just don't understand because you weren't around, right? And we, we all get it. We all understand why I use these, because Paul did these. Paul and his audience in Corinth, they understood this competitive metaphor. Like, when they heard this, they understood it, and here's why. Corinth is a town, is a city in Greece. And if you know your Greece history, um, you know that this is where the Olympic Games came from. That hundreds of years before Christ, literally half a century before Christ, the, 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 the people of Greece, they started the Olympic Games. And, and it started with just one race. It was a 200 uh, meter dash. It was that was the the quintessential thing, and then they begin to add different games to it. And now you know we've got all kinds of stuff like in the Olympic Games. You can snowboard, and uh, I'm pretty sure there's like pottery and uh, all kinds of just real athletic stuff. Um, and in fact, uh, Corinth also didn't just have the the Olympic Games, but then between the Olympic Games, they had their local games, which was called the Isthmian Games. And in the Isthmian Games, in fact, I learned this week, I didn't know this, poetry reading was an Olympic sport. So that's why I made the pottery joke, because I was like, well, I mean, if, if poetry reading, now, I could see, like, some, some, like, good slam poetry back and forth at each other, maybe, like, yo, your well, maybe not your mama jokes, we better not go there. Uh-uh, I get fired. 
I was reading about the Olympic Games, and I was reading about the Isthmian Games and the, and the people who trained for these, the people who, who were a part of these, and there was this one great champion. His name was Milo of Croton, or Croton, or I don't know how to say it, C-R-O-T-O-N if you're writing it down. Milo was a great games champion. In fact, he was such an incredible athlete and leader of this time. He led his people into battle, and victory into battle wearing his Olympic crown like he was like let's go y'all we can do this and he led the people of Croton into battle he was also a soldier and he was always trying new feats of strength he was always putting himself to the test Milo was always going how how much further can I go he's always pushing himself and pushing himself and trying new things and one day the story is told of Milo that he came across a tree trunk that was partially split and he thought to himself I should try something right here. I think I'm going to try to rip this tree trunk the rest of the way apart with my bare hands. I ripped the tree apart with my bare hands today. Right? Like this is what he was going for. Milo tried to rip the tree apart. What ultimately happened was he started to succeed and some stuff started to happen. But the wedge got open so big and his hands went into the wedges of the trees and he got stuck in the tree. Bad day for Milo because roaming the same forest was a pack of wolves and they came along and they ate him. The end. Because once a wolf eats you, your story's over. Yeah, the end. I was reading about these great athletes. They would try and to push themselves and to push themselves. I didn't know this, but back in these days, the, uh, the Olympian and the uh, Isthmian athletes, they competed naked. Did you know that? Thank God, CBS or whatever, what channel does the Olympics come on? I don't know. Is ABC? No. NBC. Yes, that one. I'm so glad they don't come on and go, viewer discretion advised. We are now tuning into the Olympic Games and everyone is butt naked running up and down a field. I'm so thankful. Nobody needed to see that. That's weird, right? But they did. They pushed themselves to extreme heat and cold and, and eat. they ate sand. I have no idea what that does to make you. The only thing I could come up with was when I played men's softball, which should be an Olympic sport because that's competitive right there. We would put a weight on the end of our bat and swing it back and forth so that when we got up to the plate, we click the weight off, get up there, the bat would be heavier, swing it a little faster, hit the ball a little harder. Only thing I could think of is eating sand is that it would just really sit in the bottom of your stomach. Then you'd go out and you'd run, and then once you got rid of all that, you were light on your feet. And you're like, let's go. I'm ready to run now. That's the only thing I could think of, but they did it. And Paul is pointing to this reference, and he says in verse 24, he says, Don't you realize that in every race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. I love this translation. The NLT, it says, so run to win. Run to win. We, we've got to begin running to win. I, I'm seeing a trend in our culture right now that, that we're, we're running to keep up with the person next to us. It don't matter how many people are in front of us. It don't matter how many, like, it doesn't matter how good somebody else is doing. As long as we can be in front of the person who's just right next to us, we feel like we're doing something. I, I'm noticing that in social media, like, if we can collectively look at our friends, as long as we feel like we're doing a little bit better than the collective group of our friends, we feel successful. We, we feel like we're accomplishing something. If, we, if our car and our driveway is just a little bit nicer than our neighbors, we're doing something. If our dog barks just a little bit less than theirs, my whole neighborhood would be better. I live in a cul-de-sac where all the dogs bark all the time, including my own. I've threatened my dogs and told them, you're giving, you're giving us a bad name, and I'm going to release you into the wild <laughs> to find a Milo to eat and do something and live on your own. And here's the truth. A golden doodle's not created to live on its own. These are, these are domestic dogs. He couldn't survive. He couldn't survive in my backyard. Bless his heart. Let me ask you this. Do you like to win? Anybody, come on, raise your hand if you like to win. Right at home, while you're tuning in, wherever you're watching this at, just raise your hand if you like to win. You can throw it in the chat there or whatever. I, I like to win, but here's another issue that I've also seen. The people are trying to tell us now that it's, it's not very Christian-like to win. It's not very humble to, to win. 
Culture's trying to tell us that, that, that we shouldn't try to win. That, that, that really, in the, in the culture war, we should take a back seat. And as long as it's not imposing on us, as long as we're not doing, they're not doing anything to hurt us, we should just sit back and say, oh, yeah, you go do whatever you want to do. Live, live your life. The issue with that is, is that Christians have stopped running to win for the last generation. And now, if we don't start running to win soon, they ain't going to let us run anymore. We won't even be in the race anymore. They ain't even going to let us show up to have a voice in this competition anymore. And my heart is, is that the kingdom of God, that the church would take its rightful place as the number one thing in our society and in our culture so that we don't just run the race. We run to win. It's not Christian to win. It's not very nice to want to beat someone, to be ahead, to convince someone that what you believe is better. Let, let me tell you, we are the only religion, we're the only faith, we're the only uh, gospel out there that says Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other religion, Muhammad, every other religion, uh, Krishna, every other religion, uh, Joseph Smith, will tell you, oh, sure, 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 there, there's plenty of ways. Oprah will let you know. There, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to get to God. We're the only one. And, and, and I don't know if this is the best evangelism tactic to use or not, but I, I tell my friends who believe other things, I say, listen, if, if, if I'm wrong and there's lots of ways to get there, I still get there, baby. But if you're wrong and there's only one way and I was right, you're dead wrong. And that's not a good place to be. That's not a good, I don't want to be on that spot. I choose, like, I like to win. And so if I'm going to pick a faith, like, I, like, I didn't pick this faith. This, faith. this faith picked me. Put that on a T-shirt and then try to say it four times fast. <laughs> I didn't pick this faith. This faith picked me. But if I were going to pick one, if I was just going to go out there and go, just show them all to me and let me decide, I'm going to choose the one that says there's one way, there's one person, there's one God. There's one salvation, there's one blood, there's one love, there's one family, there's one creation. That's the one I'm choosing because we're number one. I like being number one. I like to win. Paul didn't say, run to finish the race. Just, just, just try to make it to the finish line. He doesn't say to the people of Corinth, hey guys, get out there and start running this race and just, just try to finish. I'm going to set the bar real low for you. Just, just try to finish. Like Hell, hell a camel. Can you take me to the finish line? I can't make it on my own. I just got to get there. Like whatever you got to do. He didn't say that. He didn't say run to place. He didn't say run to try to get that silver medal. He didn't say run to try to get on the podium. He didn't say run to, to set your, your own personal best record. He said run to win. Maybe Paul's not your speed. Let me give you the great Mexican theologian Nacho Libre. He says, I want to win. Maybe a Mexican theologian's not your style. Let me give you a North Carolina theologian, Ricky Bobby. He says, if you ain't first, you last. Come on, somebody. All the theologians in church today, right? God created us to win. Somebody's taking notes on that. Ricky Bobby, if you ain't first, you last. There you go. Write it down. God created us to win. And he, here's what I want you to know. You should write this down in your notes there. You can't and we can't rationalize away the joy, hear this, the joy of honoring God with our best. We cannot afford to rationalize away the joy, the thrill, the excitement, the tingle down our spine of honoring God with our best. Giving him our all, giving it all to him. He created us to win. You see it through scripture. He tells Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, be in control of it. He says, I know that the lion is scary and the tigers and the bears. Oh my, I get it right there. There's something to be worried about. But here's what I want you to do, Adam and Eve. I want you to subdue and control and win the earth. Jesus tells the story of the people with the talents, the parable. He gives five to one, two to one, and one to one. Five comes back and says, hey, check this out. I took your five, turned it into ten. Well done. Way to go. The two says, hey, here's what I did. I took two, made it four. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. The one says, I was scared to death of you, so I buried it so I didn't lose it. I dug it back up. Here it is. I brought it back to you. Way to go, right? He's like, no. You should have at least put it in the bank. Got some interest on it. You're evil. 
He created us to win. This is what he did. He says in scripture, you're more than a conqueror. He doesn't say you're just a conqueror. He says, think of a conqueror, think of a winner, think of a heavyweight champion, think of the great, the great people of history. You're more than that. He says, you are the head and not the tail. You, you're, you're, the, you're the beginning. You're, you're the most important thing. You're the apple of his eye. I created you in my own image. This is what he says about you. He says, he says for us to go into all the world. He didn't say, hey, just pick a little area, pick a little region. And disciple those people. He says, go into all the world. And in fact, I'm going to tarry. I'm going to wait until this command, until you do this, until you accomplish this. Then once you've done that, I will return and we will party. But he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Jesus didn't say sleep in. Waste time on social media. Spend all your time playing video games. Spend all your time just sitting around and thinking and talking and, and dreaming. He said, he didn't say, spend all your time trying to be mediocre. He didn't say, hey, here's what I want you to do. Go out there and just give it a half effort. Just, just try a little bit. Just, just try it. You might like it. That was one of the shows that my kids watched growing up. What was that one called? I don't remember. It was the four giant, it was scary, man. I don't know how kids didn't have nightmares. No, DJ, what's his name? And the, No, not that one, but it's like that. Anyway, they had this song called, Try It. You might like it. Try it. You might like it. And he's like, I don't know, Broby. I'm scared if I'm not going to like it. And he's like, try it. You might like it. That's not what God's command was. Just, just try me. Just, just, tr- just, just, just give it a little bit of an effort. You go out there and get you a participation trophy. This is not what Jesus called us to do. And Paul is saying this, run and run to win. We've got to stop showing up with the thought of, you know what? If, if, if I make it to heaven, if I, if I get there and, 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 and the ones I love, my family, if, if it's just me and my family can get there, I'm going to be good. That's not the call of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim to be a disciple of Jesus, the actual definition to be a disciple is that you are out there making more disciples. That, that's what being a disciple is. And so we've kind of settled for, for saying, well, he saved me. And my eternity's set. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to heaven. And, you know, while I'm here, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. Because that's in Scripture. That's what, that's what Solomon said. Eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, he was depressed. He found no prayer. He also wrote Ecclesiastes, which is like the most depressing book you will ever read. It's just like, life is miserable. Like, I'm telling you, I'm convinced of it. This was like, this was Solomon's emo season. All my 90s people, emo. Remember emo? Come on, right? Like, paint the face white, wear the hair in front, and just be depressed all the time. Like, what was that all about? I have no idea. Solomon went through that season, right? This is not what we're called to do. We're called to win. So, so if this is what God has created us to do, if this is what Jesus says, this is who you are. That this, is, this is what I formed you to be. If Paul says run and run to win, can I ask you a question? Why, why aren't we winning? Why, if this is who we are, if this is the faith we have. Why aren't we achieving our goals? Why aren't we seeing progress in our lives? Why is it that year after year, our New Year's resolutions and our goals seem to be the same? We just roll them over. Just take the same calendar and move the dates over one. Why, why is it that this is where we are? I believe the answer is this. This is in your notes. Fill this blank in. I believe that we, that you, I, we've been trying for too long. That sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? You've been trying too long. You've been trying too hard. And the important areas of our lives, especially as Christians, in Bible reading and prayer and all of these things, being a good person, witnessing all this, we've adopted what we'll call the theology of trying. The theology, the idea, the worship of trying, of, of trying. We, we say things like, I'm trying to quit this. 
insert your blank there. I'm trying to stop doing this. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be more like this. I'm trying harder to accomplish this. I'm, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and we've been trying for too long. So if trying isn't working, what do we need to do? We need to stop trying and we need to start training. We need to stop trying and we need to start training. There's a difference here. and let me, let me break these differences down. Trying never achieves consistent results. Training does. Trying never achieves consistent results. Training does. Training is always better than trying. Because trying is an attempt to change. But it's an attempt to change with minimal commitment. When we try to change, when we try, we have minimal commitment. Trying becomes an excuse for when we have a half-hearted effort. It's real easy to say after you fell a test, well, I tried. I'm just not good at taking tests. Anybody else say that in school? I tried. I, I tried. Hey, here's what I want you to do. Let me show you how to do it. Let me, let me encourage you in this. Now give it a go. And we fail and we say, well, I tried. It's, it's this great excuse. I'm, I'm trying. I really am trying. I try to read the Bible. I try breaking the bad habit. I try being healthy. I, I'm trying to do all of these things, but trying ultimately gives me plenty of room to fail. It gives me a threshold. It gives me a barrier of if I'm trying to get to the back door because lunch is coming. But I say, you know what? I'm not willing to take the steps from here to the edge of the stage to get off the stage to get to the back door. I ain't never getting to lunch. I have given myself plenty of room, plenty of space to say, well, look, I made it a whole step further. But God is calling us beyond. When we sing that song, Oceans, you call me out upon the waters into the area where my feet may fail. Like he's called us to step out of a boat and to walk on water. Maybe not necessarily like him and Peter did for like four and a half steps, but but figuratively and in our faith, he's called us to step out into the unknown. And when we try, we say, hey, God, I'm trying to get to your unknown, but I'm a little nervous of the edge. You remember your first time jumping off a high dive at a, at a pool? That thing, that's, that's like you literally think you're going to die. The, it's the worst feeling ever. I will never forget walking up to the edge of the high dive, or even worse than that, when I was about uh, 13 years old, I was into aggressive inline skating. Yeah, yeah. Because there was this movie called Brink. It was, a, it was a Disney original movie. Oh, man. And they were like, yeah, it was a good one, right, TJ? It was a good one. They had these aggressive inlines, and they would skate, and they would jump and touch, and they would grind on the rails. I was into this, man, like I was hardcore. So I had converted from skateboarding to aggressive inline, and my parents took us to California, and they took us to a skate park, and I stood at the edge of a 20-foot vert ramp. When you watch the X Games, when you watch this stuff on TV, and you see it, or you watch Brink, and you watch them go up the ramp and flip and turn and come back down and land, the thing you're like, dude, that's so easy. That's, literally, I got to the top, I looked down, I looked back, I looked down, nope. This is how you walk downstairs when you're wearing rollerblades. Like, I was done. I was out of there, Jack. I was, the first time I stepped onto the high dive at the public swimming pool and thought, I'm going to do this. Like, it wasn't because it was summer. I was sweating. I was so nervous. But this is what God calls us to. But we've gotten comfortable in telling people, pastors like myself, other pastors telling people, faith leaders telling people, and getting people comfortable with the low dive. You just, at least you're, at least you're willing to get in the water. At least you're willing to put your toe in. Come on, just a, just a little bit of faith. It's all you got to have. Just, just give God a little bit of your life, just that little sliver in your heart. You say, oh, come on in, Holy Spirit, and, and forgive me of my past. 
I know you probably won't mess with the right now. You definitely won't touch my future. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I'm going to think I'm going to heaven. Here's a little bit of me so I feel good about what I got going on. And, and pastors and faith leaders have led people to that kind instead of this radical, life-changing faith. This says that the moment God does something inside of me and transforms me with the renewing of my mind, I begin to train to be a completely different person, that it affects every aspect of my life. And so here we are in 2021 thinking that we can live with a world uh, ideology and a biblical uh, understanding of who God is. And there's this conflict in our lives of like, wait a minute, like I, I, I recognize and I connect with this idea of culture. And they've told me this is what I'm supposed to think because I'm white, because I'm black, because I'm Hispanic because I'm a female, because I'm a male. Like, I, I, I think this is who I'm supposed to be, but God told me I'm this, and God told me this is who I am, and there's this wrestling inside of us, and we're like, what do I do? It's because we don't have a full understanding of God's called us to the high dive, to go, that all maybe makes sense. That all may seem to be okay, and to seem to be right, because Facebook told us that it is, and because CNN said so. But God said, I, this isn't a CNN gospel. This isn't a Fox News gospel. This isn't a Facebook theology. That this is this is what this is what God has called us to be. And so we're trying, but trying's giving us so much room to fail. And we can say, I tried. We even try this excuse with God. Hey God, I felt you stirring in my spirit to quit this bad habit, to get over this mindset, to, to, to forgive this person and to put the hurt behind me. I felt you calling me to to transform this area of my life. And God, I tried. I guess I'll never get it. I tried, God. All shucks. I tried. And we think that this is doing something for God, but trying an attempt to change with minimal effort isn't going to do it. It's training. And this is what Paul is saying. Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. This is, what, this is what it is. Training is a wholehearted commitment. It's everything I've got I'm putting into it. I'm putting behind this to achieve a specific result. we got to know the difference between trying and training. We, we got to understand the difference in, well, I'm just forever stuck here. I keep trying, but my trying doesn't work, and I'm training to do what I know that I want to do. And this isn't just spiritual things. I'm giving you some stuff that's going to help you fix some things in your own life, just personal stuff. This will help you fix your finances. This will help you fix your marriage. This will help you fix your relationships. This will help you be a better employee. This will help you be a better parent. And that's all with God's help, but, but you can apply this stuff to a lot of things. That we can train instead of try. Try says we're going to show up, maybe. Try says I'll show up, potentially. And if I do, I hope, whoo, I hope, I hope this time it works. You ever said that to yourself? I'm going to try this again. I really hope this time it comes through. I really hope this time I can stick to it. I really hope this time when I try this that it that it actually does something. But training says, all right, here's my game plan. This is, this is what I'm going to do to get there. Here's my strategy in doing this. Here, here's how I'm going to get there. Trying, we ultimately give up if it gets hard, if we don't feel it. Come on, that moment where you don't feel like getting up and going to the gym. You're just like, yeah, not today. I'm just... I don't feel that today. I just, I don't feel so good. I trained really hard yesterday. So I probably trained like twice yesterday. So it probably rolls over to today. I'm going to eat some donuts today, but I trained really hard. I tried really, really hard. I, I loved my neighbor. I loved my friend yesterday. I said something kind to my spouse. I, I did this and I did that. I, and today, it, I just don't feel it or it's it's really hard today. If you only knew what I was going through. Sure, I, I hear what you're saying, Pastor BJ, but you don't, you don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. I sure don't. I know what you're trying. I know you ain't training. Let me help you. Training says it ain't about my feelings. It's not about how it feels. It's not about how hard it gets. It's about my commitment. I'm committed to this. And so here's what Paul says. 
in, in uh, verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They enter into strict training. The word that he uses there in the original Greek is agon, agonizomai. It's the best I, I don't speak Greek. I don't know if you knew that or not. Agonizomai, which means to contend for victory, to strain every nerve toward the goal. It's where we get our word agony. We think of agony as bad. I'm in so much agony and pain, right? It comes from the word which means strict training, training with every single fiber in our being towards a goal. The Olympic Games, he's speaking to this audience, and they understood. Now, it's, it's even more strict now. Back then, the Olympic Games, they would train for 10 months, intense training for 10 months, an intentional training regimen. Like I told you, they would literally eat sand. They were on a strict diet. They drank no wine, no junk food, exposed themselves to extreme cold and heat. They ate the sand. They did all of this. Nowadays, to be an Olympian, like you got to start when you're like still in a cradle somehow. I don't even know. They're like, spin around this bar. Come on, kid. I know you don't know how to walk, but I need you to do a triple sow cow right now. Right? Like they just, I don't get it. You start early now. You started like two years old. You started three years old training. Your parents have to basically say, you're going to be an Olympic athlete. I don't think anybody's born anymore with the desire to be an Olympic athlete. There's parents who say, you were born with the desire to be an Olympic athlete. You're going to train. You're going to train. And ultimately it works out. They, they, they would run this, this race and they would do all of this. They would give everything they God, I told you last week the idea of showing up to a marathon, but you hadn't trained. I was picturing that in this analogy when I was reading about the Olympic Games. Could you imagine? It's 587 B.C. You're out there in some sandals. Well, maybe not because they ran naked. You're out there stretching. It's an awkward visual. Don't, don't go there. Don't let your mind go there. It's going to be really weird. And you'll be like, I got scarred at church today. Ugh. <laughs> We'll have, a, we'll have a repentance moment at the end of service for that nasty visual. But they're out there training, they're out there stretching, getting warmed up, getting ready. Milo, the croton, while he was still alive, God rest his soul, and the wolves that ate him. He looks over and he says, hey man, how'd your training go? And this guy from the country of Philadelphia, or whatever other, Laodicea, looks back at him and he says, oh no, I didn't train. There was just nobody else to send to be a part of the Olympic Games. I'm just here to, to do my best. I heard that if I showed up, they'd give me a T-shirt. Third annual Olympic Games, 587 B.C. I'm here for the participation trophy, baby. Like, I'm here. But no, that's not what it's like. An athlete, a competitor, a true athlete, a true competitor, a true winner sets vision and goals and dreams and determination of who and what they're going to do. They spend countless hours training. The author Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outlier says that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to master something. 10,000 hours of practice, not just doing it, of intentional, focused vision, goals, determination, practice to master something this is the lights being off this is the little kid sitting behind the piano with no crowd it's not a recital nobody's listening except for mom and dad downstairs going please could you hit the pedal on the right it's the damper it's going to be quiet a little bit help me it's, it's them sitting there practicing there's no crowd there's no applause it's the determination that many of us, if we played sports in school, anybody, you played sports in school, come on, help me out. Let me know I'm not alone. I can remember the nights. It worked out that I did go to a private school because I ultimately was kind of on staff at the church while I was still in high school. So I had keys to the church. So when we did our senior prank, this is a completely side note, but I want to tell this story. When we, when we did our senior prank, they brought, a, they brought a police officer in. He's a real police officer. They brought him in to question us and interrogate us. And so they saved me for last, and they set me down, and they're like, so we basically have you guys on breaking and entering. And I was like, you do? Really? 
tell me more. He's like, we know that it was you guys who broke into the school and with one long rope tied every door in the entire building to each other so that until they found the one knot that untied them, nobody was getting into any classroom in the entire school. And I was like, yeah, we did that. That's pretty awesome, huh? He's like, I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm telling you right now is we could arrest you. You're 18 years old now. You're a senior. You're a grown-up. We could arrest you for breaking and entering. And I said, but how when I have these keys to the building and my own alarm code, that's my birthday. Anyway, on those same keys that I basically waved in front of the police officer, it was the only time in my life I pulled the I'm the pastor's kid card. It was the only time, but it was threatening jail. So what are you going to do? On those keys was also the key to the gym. And I'm a bat. Yo, yo, I brought my Tar Heels cup out. That's like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a basketball nut. That's, that's where I grew up. And there were nights in high school after I got my driver's license, I'd slip out of my house 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, use those keys, open the gym, and with nobody in the gym, run suicide sprints. Who does that? Why in the world would you, it's literally got suicide in the name. It's a horror, like, I would run up and down the court and train and train and train. Why? Because I really wanted to be the best basketball player I possibly could be. Everything inside of me. It's the lights off. I'd stand there and shoot free throw after free throw. If you played sports, you probably remember coach telling you, here's what I want you to do. I'm going home because I've got a family. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right here. And shoot the ball from here. I want you to swing this bat a thousand times. I want you to keep taking batting practice. I want you to keep blocking this dummy who just stands there and looks at you like, that's all you got? I want you to keep doing this until you can't do it anymore. This is the kind of determination that Paul is talking about for the champion trying. Apart from training is unthinkable. The champion knows that trying isn't going to do it. The champion doesn't walk into the huddle and say, guys, we're trying really hard. No, the champion walks into the huddle, walks into to, to the locker room and says, listen, we've trained for this. We trained for this. That this is what happened last week, guarantee you, at halftime. Kansas City walked in and said, look, we've been here. We've done this. I guarantee you Kansas City walked into that, that locker room and said, look, we have trained for this. Hopefully somebody was smart enough in that locker room to say, yeah, but Brady's been training since before we were born. There's nothing we can do. We don't have an option. He's got Gronk on his team. But nobody walked into that locker room for Kansas City last week and said, come on, guys, we got to try harder. The coach didn't say, try harder, boys. He said, you've trained for th this is what champions do. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, this is what it says. It says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, Paul, I want you to train yourself to be godly. Not try. Don't try to be godly. That's not going to get you anywhere, Timothy. That's not going to get you anywhere, leader. That's not going to get you anywhere, servant of the Most High God. Don't try. Train for this. Stop trying. Start training. This is what he was saying. So the natural question would be this. Okay, Pastor BJ, we hear you. What do I do? Come on, anybody asking yourself that? What do I do? How do I train? Like what is training? Here's training. Fill in these blanks. Training is doing what I can today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. This is what training is. Training is doing today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. This is how this breaks down. You want to run a marathon? You want to show up one day and actually lace up those sneakers and do it? Walk a mile today. Start. Start small. Start right here. Start right now. Look, here's my, here's my sermon example. He wants to run a marathon. He's training. This boy's in training. Our nursery workers are in training on how to use the lock on the door. Praise his holy name. Amen. 
You want to get out of debt? You want to save money? Brew your coffee at home. Stop going to Starbucks. This is, this is, I'm giving you some real, what you want most over what you want now. Because right now, I want a cinnamon dolce latte. What I want most is to not have a car payment. Come on, somebody. $340 a month, $565 per day. This is is it. I want to know God. I want to experience him. I really want to understand how he's created me and designed me and formed. I really want to know my destiny. I really want to be able to have the conversations with people who say God doesn't exist or, or this is my version of God. This is my view of him. I really want to know. Read our Bible. Ask him to show us. We give you, in fact, get your smartphone out right now. Do it quick. This is a practical message. We're going to put some practical application. Download the King's Church app. If you don't already have it, if you do have it, open it up. On the main page, I'm going to show you because it's going to be that easy. On the main page of the King's Church app, it's a beautiful app. Darren, you did great, man. Way to go. Looks so good. When you scroll down, there's, there's all kinds of stuff there. You can tune in. You can see all of our sermons on demand. Every service right there. You can go back. If you missed one, you can catch up. Here's where you're taking notes. Our church has a podcast now. Brought to you by Anchor FM. It's the easiest way to make podcasts. Just kidding. They sponsor us. So if you listen to it, we get money. Why not, right? Upcoming events, things to mark your calendars. But right here, right now, media. We as a church invest in your family. We invest in your life. And if you'll click on right now, media, this is the page that comes up. And I'm taking time to do this because this is going to help you be the person God's created you to be. And so I'm willing to invest this moment, this time, into you to show you this. When you go here, it says, hey, our church has given this to you. This is the Netflix of Bible studies. They have things for, like, anything you could think of, you can study on here. And their video format, they'll walk you through. It's incredible. It's our gift to you. We give it to you. All you have to do is go and sign up. Put your information in. You get a login. You can download Right Now's, uh, Right Now Media's app, and you'll be in our King's Church um, group of Right Now Media. And what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to send out suggested um, suggested Bible studies. We're getting ready to build an entire collection specifically designed for new believers. Like, where do we go from here? I text Fresh Starter. I did all these things. What do I do? In Right Now Media, we're going to have all these Bible studies that are there for you. Here's the fundamentals of our faith. Here's where I know. Maybe you're beyond the fundamentals. You, maybe you know Jesus died for you. He rose again. He ascended. You know that God is three and one and one and three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like, like maybe you know that. But, but what else can I learn? What else can I know? You can, you can learn so much in there. And we give it to you for free. We pay the subscription for you. Utilize that. It's there. This, this is how we do it. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, Paul says this, So I run, look at this, with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I'm not just beating the air. I discipline my body like an athlete. I train it to do what it should. I discipline my body. Now, here's the key right here. I discipline my body like an athlete. Paul has identified who he is like. He recognizes his identity. In the kingdom of God, I'm an athlete in this. I'm running a marathon in this race called life. He says, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm not trying. I'm not hoping to become something that I'm not. That's what trying is. Trying is hoping to become something that I'm not. He says, this is who I am. I train like an athlete. I'm I'm training. Because when we're trying and hoping to be something we're not, if we're the opposite of that is us training, which is us getting better at what I already am. This is who I am. This is who God has created me to be. I'm not trying, I'm not trying, I'm training. Come on, why don't you say that with me? I'm not trying, I'm training. Come on, say it again. I'm not trying, I'm training. Training is uh, training isn't a hopeful experiment, it's a devoted commitment driven 
by a deeper why. Training isn't a hopeful experiment. It's a devoted commitment driven by a deeper why. I'm not trying to be healthy. Come on, we're not trying to be healthy. I am healthy. I'm created in God's image. I'm just in training. Come on, somebody. Maybe maybe it's, this is you. I'm not trying to have better finances. I, I, I am honoring God. I'm giving of my first fruits. I'm putting my priorities in place. I'm just in training. I'm not trying to avoid hookups. I'm not trying to to, to just stay out of frivolous relationships. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I I am am a, a, a prince and a princess, a daughter, a son of the king. I'm in training. This is who I am. I'm not trying to have a better marriage. No, I am and I have a great marriage. We just in training. Come on, somebody. We're not trying to be better parents. We're we're not just trying to to raise godly kids. No, I am a godly parent. I'm in training. God, with my help or with his help, is helping me choose what I want most over what I want now. I'm not trying to be godly. I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm a child of the king, and he has me in training. This is who I am. I'm not trying. I'm training. So whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're battling, whatever it is you're facing, whatever issue in your life is right in front of you, you don't seem to be able to get over. It's like that wall that just you keep coming up against and you can't get past it. You can't get beyond it. You got to look at that wall just like the psalmist did, said, I can run through this wall. I can leap over this wall because God is inside of me and I'm in training to be this. Come on, would you just close your eyes right now? You know where you are. You know you know what you're up against. You know what you've been trying. You know what you've been failing at. You know the areas where you've, you've just continued to hit that thing. Why don't you just take a minute and surrender it to God? God, we surrender to you. God, we thank you that our hopes, our dreams, our vision, our determination doesn't have to be something that we own ourselves, God, but we can surrender to you. And we're not trying anymore. We are training. We are disciplined. We are people, God, who are willing to invest in what we want most over what we want now. We're willing to set things aside. We're willing to cut relationships off. We're willing to do the hard work. We're willing to, to, to put in the effort and the time and the energy. We're willing to make the changes and the shifts in our lives to be and accomplish all that you've created us to do and to be. Come on, why don't you just tell God right now, God, I'm not trying anymore. I'm in training. I'm not trying anymore. I surrender my trying. God, I'm in training. Train me. Develop me. Coach me. Mold me. Shape me into the champion that you've created me to be. God, you are the champion. You, you beat the most, the most evil, the most vile, the most disgusting force on planet. God, you beat death itself. You are the great champion, God, but I am formed and created in your image. I am a champion, God. Help me to train like a champion. Help me to live like a champion. No more trying. Train. Scripture says that if you believe in God, you believe that he died on the cross, that God rose him from the dead, gave him all power, says that you can be saved. And here's what we, here's how we define that word saved. We actually take it back to its ancient meaning. It's redemption. It's redeeming. And redeeming and restoring is that, that image of taking Maybe an old beat up car or a dilapidated home and putting it back to its original intent, putting it back to its original purpose. This is what God does with our lives when he saves us. He puts us back together. He takes the broken pieces. He takes the pieces that are falling apart. He takes the pieces that are hurting. He heals them. He he binds the wounds. He forgives the sin and the past and He sets us on a course to a new life, to a new future. Today, you can have that. He says, if you'll believe 
in your heart, confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You will be redeemed and restored. Today is the day of that salvation. If that's you today, if you're here, if you're tuning in online and that's you, come on, would you just right now pray with me this prayer? Just say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I put, I put my life in your hands. I've been trying on my own, but I don't want to do it anymore by myself. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to have you as my trainer in this race called life. I ask you to come into my life, forgive my sin, cleanse me of all my wrongdoing, give me a hope of a better tomorrow, give me a future that's found in you. I'm going to live for you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.